And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Moonshot NFT podcast. We're excited to be back. I'm here once again joined with my wonderful co-host Matt. Matt, how are you doing? I am very well, thank you. Very good. Very excited to be back and talking all things NFTs again. Favourite subject, or one of favourite subjects. But uh, yeah, really good. Looking forward to this. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. Likewise, likewise, after quiet end to last year in terms of crazy nft activities i'm starting to feel things pick up and my excitement levels over the last couple of weeks have definitely been growing which i'm sure we'll explore at points in this podcast but topic for today is all around a whole bunch of the most common frequently asked questions around the world of nfts because of course the purpose of this podcast really is to help demystify the crazy world of nfts for the everyday average investor and so we want to explore the hot questions that people have on their mind. And I know there's one that our listeners really have, Matt, because, goodness me, the outcries I have seen from all of the comments pouring into our various episodes around this one particular platform, which we reference a lot, which has very much become the hub of a lot of NFT activity, and it is, of course, Discord. Now, I very much have a love-hate relationship with Discord. I'm sure we'll explore... But Matt, <laughs> let's go right from the... What the hell even is Discord? <laughs> I think I think the only person that could possibly hate Discord more than you is my brother's wife, because she essentially has lost her husband for large chunks of the day, large chunks of the year already, actually, to Discord. <laughs> and we'll definitely come on to why that is. But, but I completely agree with you. It is one of those things. Much like... In the same way you could describe any kind of social media app because it's so easy to get sucked in. And and it was 5 p.m. and then all of a sudden it's 6 p.m. and the time has just gone and you don't know where. But yes, let's start from the beginning. Discord is an instant messaging platform, much very similar to WhatsApp, Instagram, Twitter, or any of the better-known social media apps. But it is slightly different. And it was one that I myself definitely was not familiar with at all until we entered the world of NFTs back in, in May 2021. And that's because I believe originally it was used for gaming. Am I correct? Know more about that than me? Yeah. You're yeah, uh, yeah. So it, more... Spawned out of a gaming sort of niche, and so that was its original, I believe, demographic. And so you'd have, obviously, all these gamers playing online, and you could join the communities for the relevant games and link up with your various players. And so big gaming demographic... There was a big school demographic as well at one point, young kids and using it to have a little fun chat rooms with their friends and that sort of stuff. Before now, it's become a much broader place where people go to chat. But typically, as you said, it's very community focused. So, like, you, you wouldn't just use Discord to chat with your everyday friends. That would kind of be strange. No. Typically, the purpose is you go there to join a specific community, be it for your school, be it for a particular type of game, Call of Duty, Elden Ring, whatever it might be, or join a crypto project. So the Board Ape Yacht Club, for example, have their own Discord. VFriends have their own Discord. Most crypto projects have their own Discord. So if you're interested in it, you can head over and find it. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. So as I, I did a little bit of research online and i didn't realize it dates back to in, initial release date was was back in may 2015 so it's been around it's been about for a long time but each individual community can have their own server effectively and so i guess the main difference between 
Discord and any other kind of social social media app is you're not communicating with the whole world. You choose which servers to join, which communities to join. Normally, you can join completely for free. So you just get sent the link or you find the link. Let's talk about NFT projects because that's the basis of this. Most NFT projects will have their Discord link available on their website. So, for example, if you want to join the Board Ape Yacht Club, Discord, there's a link on the website. If you want to join the Doodles Discord, I'm sure there's a link on the website. Same for World of Women, same for V Friends, same for all of the, yeah, the majority of the uh, the sort of well-known or more known NFT projects. And so you're entering their online community within Discord. And then within that, you'll have to, first of all, you'll have to accept some terms and conditions, which basically just a bit like a private group. Maybe people are more familiar with that. So you're just not allowed to be offensive to anyone else. You can't be racist. You can't be aggressive. You'll get kicked out if you break any of the rules. It's one of those simple, yeah, tick, tick, read, accept. And then essentially you're in. And sometimes they have different yeah, processes that you have to go through to get into the main server. But usually it's very quick, very easy. And then you can see that there is a list of sort of channels which, are, which tend to be different discussion topics. There's usually a general chat bit. Sometimes there's TikTok topics. If there's within the vFriends community, for example, if people want to talk about specific, talk about other NFT projects, then there's a channel for that. If they want to introduce themselves, there's a channel for that. So there's different things, but the first place to go to is the kind of general chat bit, and that's where you'll find, in a, certainly in a busy or a well um, participated <laughs> and engaged community you'll find people just communicating with each other. That's where my brother spends a lot of his time, just talking to people that he's never met <laughs> online. And, and the great thing is that when you do spend a little bit of time, you go in and have a look, you realize that there's a lot of people that have made friends and know each other. And yeah, they're communicating with each other every sometimes more than they are with their own real life friends and family. My close friend and colleague, Mr. Bradley, who shout out to you, Brad, who you obviously know very well as well, Matt. He's in many Discord groups to do with various things, and he has, yeah, made lots of friends on Discord who he has then traversed the country to go and actually meet in real life, which has been That's great. It. So he's a living proof that, yeah, you can turn these online relationships into wonderful in-real-life friendships as well. But, yeah, it's interesting, Discord. And so Discord, I think, is very similar to Slack, for anyone who uses Slack. But you have a lot more creativity because each of these communities basically owns their own server. They can do with it as they please. And so what's very common in the world of NFTs is that NFT projects will use Discord and they'll promote it as a sort of hub to enter the community. So you can come and join and really get access to the people behind the project because that's where they'll post updates. It's where they'll post any alpha that they have in regards to the project. So you feel like you're in with the crowd, which is cool, especially when you have these big names behind projects like Logan Paul's Originals, for example, which the Moonshot DAO is invested in. Like He is in a special Discord for the Originals holders, so you can converse directly with him, albeit when he replies, which is fairly few and far between, as far as I'm aware. And so that adds a very nice element. And then typically what Discord enables you to do as well is integrate with various different things. And so where this comes into practice in the world of NFTs is you can have NFT-gated Discord servers, meaning... There are particular servers or particular chat rooms which you can only access if you hold a particular NFT. And so the minute then you sell that NFT or, heaven forbid, it gets taken from you, you would lose access to that server as well. So it's a way of 
gating and creating this token gated community where you can have a bunch of like-minded people together who acquired their access to that, either paying for it or being given it free, if that, if they're lucky to do so. It's quite a cool dynamic that it enables and facilitates, and that's why it's become such a hub for all of these various crypto projects. But I was chuckled a little bit when you talked about it being busy, Matt, because, goodness me, I would go a step further and say it can be rather chaotic, and this is the root <laughs> cause of my love-hate relationship with Discord, because for anyone going into Discord, particularly any adult, it is a very sensory overloading experience, <laughs> in my opinion anyway, because you have these chats, some of which have got up to hundreds of thousands of people in, and so there are just like 100 messages a, a second almost being posted, and so it's nay impossible to keep track of what's actually going on, <laughs> a million different servers, everything just buzzing all the time. Like, I actually can hold my hands up and say, I don't use it that much because I find it stressful. My slowed <laughs> brain keeps up with all of the carnage that happens and unfolds on Discord. But I'm interested in your thoughts, Matt. No, I completely, I hear you on that. I agree with you. It can be too much. I'm just looking at the vFriends Discord right now, for example. There's 352,000 people in the vFriends Discord. <laughs> so... It is not a small community. Now, to your point, that doesn't make them all holders of the friends. I can't find here. I don't think it actually tells me exactly how many people have gone through the token gated bit and into the vFriends holders area. But the total people, yeah, that are, that are able to communicate in the general community, it's 352,000 people. Obviously, they're not all communicating at the same time. My phone's telling me at the moment there's 25,000 of them are all online. So that's a lot of people, yeah, that can be and do communicate with each other. And, of course, the way, it, the way it is presented to you is you're just reading this one feed of comment on comment, and some people are having a chat with each other, and then other people are talking at the same time. And so, yes, can be very confusing. The main thing I like it for and use it for is the announcements. So, particularly, if you choose to get involved in the NFT project, let's use the vFriends as an example, then all of their real kind of non-spam actual trustworthy announcements are shared within vcord within discord and nearly always especially if it's like something to do with something that people might want to get involved with that's going to involve money gary v has pretty much said he will always do a video of him sharing that announcement so that you know it it is real it's him and because as we've talked about in previous episodes there's so much spam, there's so much bad, there's so many bad actors out there trying to get you to do things that you don't want to do. And that very much does happen within Discord as well. One of the, on the episode that we did about spam, yeah, spam and hacks and all that sort of stuff, it was Discord that I got, fell into a trap on, believing that something was too good to be true and clicked through a link and the Discord had been hacked and it was a bad link. And so it is a place to proceed with caution. But that said, if all you're doing is using it to view what's going on in the community and read announcements and stuff like that, you're at, there's no danger, especially if you don't connect anything to it and that sort of stuff. The recommendation is, just while we're on this topic, is to turn off your DMs, to so turn off the ability for other people to direct message you because that, mm -hmm. is, that is a big target for, for people to 
pretend to be something they're not and, and coerce you into doing something that you don't want to do. Turn off your direct messaging and that sort of stuff and then just be really vigilant. But, but yeah, I like it for announcement. And one of the big things, I've got a really recent example and actually I should have, should have, it's downstairs at the moment, should have brought it up with me. I could have shown it on the video. There's a lot of competitions running Discord and I won one just last week. So Gary V has recently announced a new website for vfriends.com. So they've redone their website and they have this new way, a very safe and very clever way of connecting your wallet to it so that anyone who is vFriends holders can connect their wallet to it, even cold wallet, ledger wallets that, again, we've talked about in the past, without connecting it to the website. So there's no, like, fear of you gently going to the wrong website and connecting it and then have all your NFT stolen. Anyway, he's been encouraging all of his vFriends community and vFriends holders to connect and create an account on this new website. And one of his ways that he's done that is by saying, anyone that does, I'm going to do various surprise and delight giveaway. And so he did, a, he did an announcement in Discord and on Twitter a week or so ago saying any gift goat series 2 gift goat holders you'll want to have your wallet connected and account registered on the new vfriends.com because one of you completely at random is going to win an oculus quest 2 and then so i i have done my account already and we do hold a vfriends gift goat series 2 and uh, yeah, to my surprise, the next day I check and, and we've won. So that was cool. Boom. And so it's already been sent. I've got it downstairs. Yeah, got an Oculus Quest How now. Speedy. How speedy. Good delivery. Yeah, like extremely efficient. Yeah, I was very impressed. Very impressed. So that, there's, that's just one fun example of the kind of stuff that goes on within Discord, within the different communities, the specific communities that isn't happening elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's announced on Twitter as well, but the real sort of quality conversations and key announcements are much more visible, much more easy to see and find within Discord. And also, if, yes, Discord's a busy place, but let's face it, depending on how many people you're following on Twitter, that's an even busier place. So you can go looking for stuff and find it easier within Discord. And so that is one benefit for sure. Yeah, that is just a great story and shows that, yeah, lots of valuable things can come from it if you're willing to engage and also be in the right sort of places. And whilst it does have its risks, as does any online messaging interface type environment. So of course, be vigilant, be extra vigilant in the world of NFTs, of course. But no, that is great, that is great. So it'll be interesting to see how many of our listeners indulge themselves and get familiar with the world of Discord. But let's tackle some more NFT FAQs, Matt. So we've got a little list here of the 12 most commonly asked questions about NFTs according to some very hardcore and in-depth research that we both did. And so we're going to quickly work our way through them rapid fire. So we'll go, we'll peck through them in order. First and foremost, how do NFTs work? And I'm quite happy to take this one if you offer. Please do, please do. Go for it. So this is one of the most asked questions on the internet. Which in relation to I NFTs, know. obviously. Yes, of course. And yeah, this, how NFTs work is a key component into really getting your head around the world of NFTs. Because it took me a while to understand it, because when you see it's just digital artwork trading online for millions, you can't compute that makes any rational sense. It's only when you begin to understand the technology behind the NFTs and why it is so important that it starts to, you'll have the pin drop moment. And so how NFTs work and what non-fungible tokens are, as the NFT stands for, is... It is basically using the blockchain, which is just a, a standardized distributed ledger, so just a record of transactions that is stored not in a single place, but across many different computers. And this is why it's termed decentralized. 
And NFTs are basically just the tokenization of digital assets on the blockchain. So what the hell does that mean? It just means that now, instead of there being a picture online that I could send to you, Matt, in an email, and then you could send to 20 of your friends, and all of a sudden, there's now 21 copies of that picture around the web, and it's impossible to tell who the original owner is, because we all have the exact same copy. With NFTs, that there's a record of ownership that I own the original image, and that is locked up on the blockchain and so even though you now have a copy of it you just have a copy of it and so i have the original rights to it and this means then that i can now transfer the ownership i can sell it i could buy more nfts and you can buy it you have the proof of ownership it's like trying to sell a house now we could go stand outside a house and take a picture with it and pretend it was ours but we would have a tough time selling it because we don't have the deed to the house. And so all the NFTs are, it's just basically the deeds to the digital assets. And that is why it spawned this marketplace for buying and selling these digital things, because now you can actually track the ownership of it. Whereas before, the blockchain, this fancy term, that was not possible. And so that is, in a nutshell, how NFTs work. Ooh, anything to add there, Matt? Nope, not at all. Nicely done. Yeah, fantastic. Perfect. I'll tee you up with the next question then. So the most popular ask question number two, will NFTs come back? <laughs> I love this question. I ask it every, I ask myself this most weeks. I think some NFTs haven't gone away. And in the main, actually, a lot of NFTs haven't gone away. I think this past two weeks, at Yuga Labs, the company that owns Board Ape Yacht Club and the Mutant Apes and, and that whole sort of project, they've released yet another benefit to their holders. There's, there's this game called the Dookie Dash, and it relates to Jimmy the, the trial of Jimmy the Monkey. And so depending on uh, so holders, holders of Board Apes, Mutant Apes, and the Kennel Club, and if you held all three, then you're in an even better position. There were these four different tiers of what they're calling sewer. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole story because, firstly, it sounds ridiculous to anyone that doesn't know what the story is and, and doesn't know the background to it. And it would put off more people than it would make curious. So not going to go into the whole thing, but... The holders of these Board Ape Yacht Club community, the holders of these tokens, have essentially just been airdropped, just been given, just been gifted. Um, anything from the lowest has been about 1.7, 1.8 ETH. And so, you know, nearly a couple of grand, right? Up to the highest tier fours have been selling for 6, 7, 8 ETH, I believe. So, you know, here's another 10,000 pounds, you lucky hole. They come back. That one hasn't gone anywhere as far as I'm concerned. But it's been six plus months since they did their last benefit or airdrop to holders with the, yeah, with the other deed, which was May. So, yeah, it's been longer than that. I think that was May 2022. So, like, certain projects, yeah, that one just hasn't gone anywhere and continues to, to reward their holders and engage with their community. And there's just so much stuff going on. In the lead-up to that, because it was well-documented and people knew what the tiers were, it meant that the board the, the Kennel Club, the dogs were trading at almost an all-time high. They got back up to rates they were at like nearly 12 months ago. And there's just been a lot of activity, so much activity. And I think, so yeah, initial answer is a lot of them haven't gone anywhere, so they don't need to come back. And they're continuing to progress with their various roadmaps or plans that they've been working on over the past year to 18 months. The ones that have gone quiet or really have dropped in value significantly 
Will they come back? Yes. And why do I say yes? It's because of the investments that you can see they're making behind the scenes. Like Doodles just recently hired, made a new hire, someone that, oh, forgive me, I've forgotten, but someone from a huge industry background that is just bringing a wealth of experience that's going to help them in the direction that they want to. World of Women continue to collaborate with artists and they're, they're working on stuff. They're working on a lot of stuff. And like the Moonbirds and Proof community that you're a part of, they've just done their third Grails season, which is collaborations with with artists, and that's rewarded some holders. Maybe you could touch on that. But they're definitely active, and will they come back? In the important ones and the ones that have really served people well, I believe, will. The ones that have some have gone really quiet and died altogether, and they won't come back. But that's, but that's you know the same with any business. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think we've been through a nice little cleansing with this whole economic downturn, which we've talked about a lot now on previous podcasts, because it has been whew, dragging it, dragging on over these last few months. And so, will NFTs itself come back? Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. And as you've described, they haven't really gone anywhere. The volume has dipped, yes, in a large scale, but all the core projects are still going. And fundamentally, the technology behind it, I believe, is here to say. And all you have to do is look at the applications of it and all the sorts of big businesses that are invested in seeing it succeed. Yeah, we can be very confident with that. This sort of tees us up then, Matt, into a couple of questions, which we'll segue into. So questions, popular search questions number four and five, so we're going to come back to number three. What NFTs to buy and which NFTs are going to boom? And I think you've answered a lot of those just there from your perspective. From my side, the ones that I think are going to do well, again, agree with all the ones you've said all of the projects that have been head down building away during these last few months because that is when you really can see whether or not a project has the right leader whether they have the right business intelligence almost to navigate through a somewhat tricky period but also to actually focus on building the project and much like i always referenced the dot-com bubble back in many years ago now all these companies, people were rushing to throw hand over fist money into them before they'd even built any projects. And the ones that emerged after the end of the crash, your Apples, your Googles, etc., were the ones that knuckled down and actually had something to show for it. And so all of those are good bets. The ones that we have money on, of course, I'm in the Moonbirds community, the Proof Collective, so I think the things they're doing there are great. I really think, again... Art blocks, in particular, the Chromie Squiggles, we talk about a lot. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of the a lot of that art community, I think, is epic, and that would be where I would be waging a hefty, uh, placing a lot of my own cash into it. Yeah, and then the Yuga Lab stuff is seems like a no-brainer. But what is going to be interesting is all the others that are going to emerge. Are there any other sort of smaller projects that have been on your radar, Matt? I think definitely not smaller, but another one that I was aware of before he did it and then didn't spend any time learning about. And I'm not a huge sort of fan or certainly not as keen a follower of this person as I am some others, which is Tim Ferriss's project. Oh, yes. Uh, I believe it's called Cock Punch. But he's, so Tim Ferriss is the author of The 4-Hour Workweek. That's what I think he's, I believe he's best known. And and so he, he's gone very deep into launching his own tea project. And there's this huge kind of, I don't know if it's mythical, but it's like this story behind it, like this big journey that he's taking all of his community on. And, and that's had huge traction. He's got a big audience because a lot of people know who he is. And, and so that one came out of nowhere and people are doing people are doing very well i think that i think one of the things that i'm not involved in 
anyway, but I'm certainly looking into a lot more is the G Money's 90cc brand, which is which is within the fashion industry. He's done a collaboration, or he did a collaboration with Art Blocks with Snowfro, the, the creator of Chromie Squiggles, and and the secondary market for the T-shirts that they produced with with the NFTs attached to them. They they've already quadrupled in price or something ridiculous. Like you could have got them a month or so ago. I think it was December they were launched and it was done at Art Basel. And the people were minting them for a few hundred dollars, I think. And they're going for, yeah, I'm sure like four or five times that now. And people are starting to recognize, to your point, that this is an Art Blocks project. This is the first ever printed on a shirt and an NFT. It, they're both good quality stuff. G-Money's someone to watch and to follow. Everything he touches it within this world, NFT world, seems to turn to gold. It's just, yeah, just... <laughs> feels like something something to keep a close eye on and get involved with if you can 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah and lots of things emerging i can see porsche have released a collection recently porsche 911 which is interesting lots of other big brands beginning to nfts particularly as a way of just building a hardcore community of their best customers right so lots of things will be emerging particularly over these next few months and so yeah we'll keep you up to date on our movements from that sort of front but let's circle back then to question number three, which was, can NFTs be copied? Which is a great question. And to put it bluntly, no, this is the whole beauty of NFTs and the problem that they solve. So you might see a very common question people have, especially people who are new to the world of NFTs, is I can see that NFT that you're using as your profile picture. I can just right click, save it and use it as my profile picture as well. So now I'm using the NFT. And in theory, you've copied the NFT. And so again, this goes back to the same analogy of the house. Yes, you may have the picture of the NFT, but you do not own the NFT. You do not have the token that signifies you are the registered owner, the deed to that NFT, much like owning a house. It's literally like going to standing outside someone's house, taking a picture, and then trying to sell someone the house. You don't own the house, so you're going to have a lot of problems. And so because of that, the NFTs cannot be copied. Once they are minted, which is the process of this token, and this record being created on the blockchain, then that token exists and it cannot be edited for the large part. And so you have that one particular NFT, which is great. That's why they're able to hold their value because there's only ever a set number of supply of them. No one can make more of them. No one can say no more can delete them, but there are ways you can delete them and destroy them. But anyway, that gets away from the example. But in short, they can't be copied and that is what gives them their power and is the real innovation that the technology is solving. And am I right in saying, uh, am I right in saying, Elliot, as well, that that is what the name is, right? That is what is non-fungible about it. So fungible, Absolutely. so something, so fungible is like a tenner, for example, right? So yeah. money, cash, £10 sterling is a fungible token, if you like, as in if I had a tenner and you had a tenner and we literally swapped them, both got something that is the same exactly the same in value but a non-fungible token is it's unique correct correct yeah so you have a house and i have the mona lisa that were both non-fungible examples there so yeah question number six then it's a great one segueing nicely are nfts dead yeah again another simple no and funny that people are googling it because clearly with such a peak and then such a crash it's led to people wondering yeah are they dead are they gone forever happy to say no because it's yeah. been a whirlwind and a fun experience over the last 18 months of my life and one that i hope continues so no they're not dead 
And I think li listening to a few people, they'll change a bit. I think the name, a lot of people believe they'll be called something completely different because, like, non-fungible tokens, it, it doesn't, it's not the... Not the most captain uh, name. No, exactly. And so things will change about them, almost undoubtedly, but, but they're not dead. Yeah, and you can empathise with all the people on the fringe who, during the high parts of last year, when NFTs were booming, it's all in the news, all these stories of people making ridiculous amounts of money. And then for the last six months, basically, that's completely died off. And the mainstream media narrative has drifted off to all the other things that are going on in the world. So, of course, very natural for someone who's not in the world of NFTs to assume that they're dead because all of a sudden where they were seeing about them all before has completely disappeared. So there we have it. Another technical question. Are non-fungible tokens part of the ERC20 family? Ooh, getting very technical here. So break this down. Non-fungible tokens, NFTs, are they part of the ERC20 family? So the ERC20 family, this refers to the protocol on Ethereum. So Ethereum is basically almost like an operating system. It's called a layer one blockchain. And so there are different types of tokens and different protocols built on Ethereum, one of which is the ERC20, which has become the gold standard. And so in theory, can exist on any blockchain. So there are some on Ethereum, there are some on Solana, there are some on Polygon, there are some on Tezos. Any functioning blockchain, there are even some on Bitcoin. Any functioning blockchain can store NFTs because it makes a token and it makes it non-fungible. The big, the lion's share of the NFT market at the moment exists on Ethereum, which is like how back in the day social media blew up and everyone was on Facebook. It's like the same thing. There's lots of other places where you can engage in social media, but everyone has just flocked to one and one's got the lion's share. Currently, that is in Ethereum. So Ethereum is where the majority of all these big NFTs exist. And so, yes, they are part of the ERC20 family. But that extends out across other networks, as I have discussed. But that is, at the moment, the most common ones. Anything to add, Matt? No, absolutely. I think whoever's asking that question clearly has a level of knowledge more than most about the subject. And, and I guess that's the thing. Once you start to do your own research and start to delve into this world, you'll learn and see a lot of things like LC20 and Tezos and Solana and they're all shortened as well Sol and that sort of thing and so it's very easy to just get confused and but that's what the 50 hours of research as Scary V always referred to when he was onboarding a lot of new people into it like it does take a bit of time you've got to be quite curious and just keep reading and keep researching and and that's an, go back to the beginning another benefit of discord just enter a few channels and servers and ask your questions. You'll get answers because some people just love to tell people all about this subject. We like talking about it and you'll get all the answers. And so perhaps then ask a few more people and see if all the answers match up just to make sure if someone's telling you the correct answers, don't be too gullible about it, but ask and see can you shall find. Absolutely. Matt, next question, where do, where do you buy non-fungible tokens? Where are the best places? So my, my sort of favorite Website for it is OpenSea, OpenSea dot, is it dot IO? I think it is. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, dot IO, so P-E-N-E-A. That's the one that really blew up bigger and quicker than any. There are so many more now. If you're really into sort of art and artists and photography and that sort of stuff, then Super Rare. Super Rare is, is a very well-known, yeah, much more art-based NFT projects, more so than the sort of PFP projects that we've talked about a lot. Yeah, there's lots but, of them. 
Yeah. But my go-to place would be OpenSea. OpenSea is definitely the biggest. OpenSea is definitely the biggest. Rareables, another good one. Super rare. One, um, you touched on looks rare is another one. I mean, a lot of exchanges have got their own little NFT legs as well these days. So, for example, on Binance, there you can buy NFTs straight from there. And so on and so forth. But the supply of NFTs is different on all of them. So there is some overlap. Some NFTs are listed across lots of different places. But others you can only find in certain places. So that would be the kind of main reason you want to shop around. Number 10, though, when did non-fungible tokens start? A bit of NFT history here. As far as I'm aware, the very first few NFT projects really came to life around 2017. So this was the very early days of NFTs. The very first few people were beginning to experiment with blockchain technology. You remember 2017 famously as it's when the first little mini crypto bubble really took off around the winter of 2017. And that was when we saw the birth of CryptoPunk, the Crypto Kitties, and a few other little projects. I, I think there were some that maybe even preceded that. So there might even be a few right at the start of 2017 and even into 20. But really, they were the first historical and what are now regarded as having this archaeological presence attached to them because they very much signify the first sort of few NFT collections. I remember there's one on Bitcoin as well, which was these rare Pepe's. So Pepe being the famous internet meme of the funny looking frog. Um, it actually started as a community project where someone created this. It was like a Pokemon card with a this Pepe character on it. And soon it spawned a whole little niche sub-community of people and someone made like the template dimensions of the card so that the community could then all create their own cards with just these funny memes on and funny traits that all looked like they were belonged in the same collection together. And these are actually Bitcoin NFTs as well, which makes it even crazier. So they're actually on, on the Bitcoin network and they were one of the very first NFT cases as well. But yeah, anything to add there, Matt? No, not at all. I think I'm glad you said 2017. So that's what I was going to say as well. And I think that's a long time ago now. That's all I would add is to think about some of the previous questions. Will they come back? Are they dead? Where did you buy them? All questions that have been asked online in the last sort of 12 months or so. And when you think if they, if, but the fact that they trace back and you do date back to 2017, it's a long time ago. And um, they just remained very quiet and under the radar for such a long time, right? 100%, 100%. And then here we are today then. So next question, non-fungible tokens versus cryptocurrency. So less of a question, more of a direct comparison. So the main differences here is non-fungible tokens are exactly that. They are these non-fungible tokens. So with cryptocurrency, these are fungible tokens, right? Because one Bitcoin can be exchanged with one Bitcoin and the Bitcoins are all the same. So they are fungible as a means of exchange. They function as the same thing. Whereas with NFTs, they're typically these digital assets that are unique in a respect. And so therefore you have the unique ownership of one. And so we might both own an NFT and they could be worth different amounts, thus rendering them typically non-fungible. And so, yeah, your cryptocurrencies obviously leverage the same blockchain technology and they use that as the means of storing who is the owner. 
Because, of course, if I... The big innovation with Bitcoin was it solved this double printing problem with digital money. So before any form of purely digital money, what is to stop someone basically hacking the code and just inputting a million pounds of this digital currency into their own wallet, right? Without this distributed ledger technology, that would have been possible. And the, this is how the blockchain managed to solve that. So now every record of every transaction of a cryptocurrency has to be verified on these ledgers, which are then distributed, and that means that it stops anyone from just basically manufacturing money out of thin air. And so, therefore, your Bitcoins and your other cryptos are all fungible. These that can work around the web, whereas your non-fungible tokens are these digital assets, which are typically unique and are not easily swappable for the same kind of thing, would be my best explanation. Yeah, I think it's a very good explanation. I think an you know, important thing that I'll add is, for me, they're two completely fundamental, fundamentally different things. When the fact almost that teaser traded using cryptocurrencies is a irrelevant sort of aspect to it, especially because on some of these websites now, it's very easy to pay for them on your card, credit card, debit card, um, Yes, you are going through a process of you've got to create a wallet and then you're buying Ethereum to then buy the buy the NFT itself. But that's cool happening behind the scenes. You don't really it's so easy now to be able to just purchase one using a card. So the fact that they're linked in that way and people are asking that question in particular would suggest that there is some confusion over how are they similar or how are they different or why are they mentioned in the same sentence, same question. I think for me, like two completely different things. The fact that they are traded on a crypto market and with cryptocurrencies, it can't be ignored, but but it's not a huge aspect of the NFTs themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that is a very good... To finish with, non-fungible tokens and the future of art. Again, we touched upon this in the past, and it's a very good question, because at the moment, NFTs are almost, to the mainstream, entirely associated with digital arts and online collectibles, as that has been the primary use case of them thus far and so absolutely from that angle they represent a significant evolution in the realm of digital art i think it's a great thing and i think it has caused an influx of investment and opportunity in the digital art space i think it has opened up new avenues for digital artists who previously would have struggled to get a career and make you know enough money to fully pursue their passion and create fantastic digital art because the distributing of your digital art before was very difficult because you could publish a digital piece online and everyone could just copy it, right, and just use it. And so because of that, it's hard to make it attach a proper value to it. Whereas fortunately, now the world of NFTs, you can specifically assign a owner to each piece of digital art. This all of a sudden makes it have the same value almost as real life art because now there is a real life owner you go and see the mona lisa in france but there's only one person that owns it and can benefit from obviously the value of it and actually selling it so that is one angle of it which nfts have been great and of course the gold rush and the eyeballs that have come onto it has just created a whole new audience of people suddenly interested in digital art a year ago me and you matt didn't care at all about digital art is probably no. the truth of it. Whereas now we are absolutely 
fascinated and recently 20 grand on a squiggle yeah which so shows true. the evolution in our own desire and interest in the world of digital art yeah what are so your thoughts? true yeah so true and i think i think in one way or another it's already crossing over into the world of physical art as well and i think that we are almost we're bound to see that more because one thing it helps with is this traceability of ownership because people do use the Mona Lisa as an example all the time but that's that's almost such an easy example to use because it's so well known we all know where it is it, it, there's no confusion over who has the kind of the deeds to that sort of thing but there are equally there's so many other sort of valuable ridiculously valuable paintings that are traded on a massive market as well and there's frauds all the time. Is it easy to prove that yours is the actual one, the real one and only? There, there could always be debate and doubt and all that sort of stuff. Whereas once they link the two together, it's a bit like some of these fashion brands introducing the NFT aspect to physical product, these network products. Once the two are linked, it's, it's, it's undisputable. If that painting, that piece of art can be scanned and it, matches up with the nft which is on the blockchain it's, it's proof like you can't argue it and that's in your wallet so they, they have to i think inevitably they will come together more and more and and it's going to be interesting to see how that happens you know absolutely absolutely well, there we have it i think we've tackled a whole bunch of topics there matt in good amount of detail in a pretty speedy time so we can wrap up this episode there before we finish matt any closing remarks from yourself only that I think it's great that people, it's good to see that people are asking these questions, that people are interested. It means we've hopefully, hopefully people have stuck with us to hear our take on some of these answers because it is, yeah, remains certainly from my perspective, something that is an investable opportunity. It's also just an interesting journey that, that is going on at the moment. And hopefully people are curious enough to, yeah, to do some research and to see if there's something in it for you. I remain very certain that, yeah, there's opportunities right now and there will be over the next six months, six months, 12 months and beyond. So hopefully this is of use. This is of use and I look forward to our next episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you ever so much for joining Matt. Remember everybody, don't forget to follow, share, subscribe, do whatever makes you feel good inside. As always, this has been a wonderful episode. Thank you for joining us. And as we always say, to the moon.